This podcast is the third episode of Novel Writers, The Warm-Up. Novel Writers is a monthly event organized by Spike Island in partnership with Bristol Festival of Ideas. Today, I am with Guy Gunnaratni, novel writer, journalist, and documentary filmmaker. Guy Gunnaratni, you are in Bristol today to present your first novel called In Our Mad and Furious City, a fiction book published by Tinder Press in April 2018. Your first novel has been longlisted for the Man Booker Prize 2018, shortlisted for the Goldsmith Prize and the Gordon Byrne Prize and it's one of the books of the year 2018 for The Guardian, The Observer, and The Irish Times. So that makes it the book that everyone should receive as a Christmas present this year. But what we are going to talk about today is the making of your book, the process that led you to the writing and the publication of your book in Our Mad and Furious City. So thank you very, very much, Guy Gunnaratne, for being here with me today. Oh, thank you. And I read that you live in Malmö, Sweden. So how is it to be back in the UK? Uh, good, good. Uh, I'm writing my next book now. So, I mean, it's kind of actually great to have physical geography between the first book and my second, because if I'm in England anywhere, I'll be talking about my first book and thinking about my first book. But a flight away and I don't have to think about it at all. Um, I can only concentrate on my, my second, which is great. It's a, a good distance, a detachment that um, is important for the next one. That loneliness. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Makes and you feel good. Quiet and uh, quiet, yeah. distant, you know, because there's a lot of stuff's happened this year for the first. So it's it's good to, you know, contain it. <laughs> so, <laughs> just make it in one place. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my first question is, you are a journalist and a documentary maker. So what did you make writing fiction? What led you to fiction writing? So that's an interesting question. It's kind of, it's always a, a strange thing to realize about yourself that, oh, you know, when I started writing this book, it was never in a, in a sense that, okay, this is going to be my first book and I'm going to get it published. And this is the kind of thing I, you know, this is the, the one thing I wanted do with my life it was always like you know hope and like ambition but you know I've been writing forever um, but I never really thought the writing would be my sort of main focus um, the documentary filmmaking um, was for me how I made a living and 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 that was my main focus I had a documentary film company um, where we sort of pitch human rights stories to news agencies and human rights organizations so that's the, the my, my focus was always there um but the writing was always in the background since i was far younger it's far preceded like the documentary filmmaking it's a strange sort of a thing that i've realized recently where oh yeah i, I guess this is what i've always supposed to be doing um, when you say it was always in the background does it mean that you we're always writing something on the side. Yeah, but even with documentary filmmaking, it, it, there's a lot of writing involved in constructing a, a, a sort of assembly and a, and, a, and a story there. So it was all that's there was always an, always an element of writing within my documentary filmmaking work, um, as well as just journalism that kind of thing. But creative writing was 
you know, writing since I was a child, but like it was never, you know, it was never really a, a source that I considered a, a viable option to do. I understand. Yeah. And um, do you have a first memory of you writing fiction? Like the first story you would have wrote when you were... I've had that question before. I, I really don't know. I, I remember being a, a, a little kid mm -hmm. and just trying to write a play. I have no idea why or how. <laughs> <laughs> and... Do you remember what it was about? Or? I don't know. I think it was about a talking fish. That's a, a true a thing. I've never said fish. that before in my life aloud. I think, and it's purely, it was my own little story as a, as a little boy. Um, some kind of weird fantasy. I probably still have it. My mum's probably still got it. It's weird. I'll fish it, I'll fish it out and see. Yeah, fish it. <laughs> But, um, yeah, no, that, it was always just an, uh, an outlet. And I thought it was, it was so much fun. There's a lot of joy in, in creating a thing, a story. I've always had that. But as I say, it was never really, a, never thought it would go anywhere. And when did you start to take fiction writing seriously to think like, okay, I want to write a book or I'm actually writing a book for real? Um, Especially... Yeah, I th I think it, it it probably was this book. Um, at some point during the the draft period, I knew this was turning into something, and I I started quite speculatively, just to see where it it went. There wasn't much um, sort of pre plotting or organizing in in terms of where I thought it should be going. I kind of let it, let it happen. Um, and I think at some point it's, it felt like there was something here um, that I felt needed. I, I needed to, to finish it um, and make it, I guess, book shaped after, because the first couple of drafts, it's kind of a mess, but um, the third or fourth, I think, um, You, you you graduate to that, to that place where you're, you're, you're trying to actually make something that's a novel as opposed to just a mass of words. Um, uh, and at that point, I felt like, no, I'm actually I'm constructing something here. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's turning into something um, and it's demanding something of me that I haven't really done before. Um, but again, it, that comes with a sort of a renewed sense of energy um, And I, at that point, I knew I would finish it, and I knew it. I would, I would um, either send it out or, you know, try like, to make yeah, it yeah. I guess trying to make it happen, but mm. that was actually my wife who told me, like, you've spent mornings now for years <laughs> doing this. You need to <laughs> actually send it. Money out. at yeah. some point. Yeah, it needs to. <laughs> yeah, it's her investment in me. So <laughs> she has to, yeah, you know. There. Yeah. Um. She, you know, that that's that was the external prod to, to, to actually send it out to, as a manuscript to to agents um um but yeah no I, you know after it was finished i knew it, it i would do, be doing something with it it wouldn't just go into a drawer mm. and before that you wrote many stories or books yeah i, I actually wasn't good enough well i kind of actually wrote um like a some short stories and put it into like a, a book thing and finished it but there was zero intention of actually sending out anywhere mm. um, I honestly didn't know how I didn't know how it all worked um, <laughs> uh, you know send it what yeah, would you cool. do with a short story I don't mm. you know would, 
I, you know, it wasn't even a consideration. I, I, I finished it. I put it on the internet somewhere. And I completely forgot about it. Oh, I'm gonna have some look at internet yeah, now. I don't, I don't know if it's any good, yeah. <laughs> but it's there somewhere. Do you think it has been a good training for you to write short stories, I or do you, you don't even think it was a? Well, I th no, it was good, but it's important because I finished it. You know, it was a project that yeah, I I got the to the end thing. of. I wanted to write nine or ten stories, all with a, a, a similar theme, um, and I I finished it. I'd done it. You know. Um, Uh, and that's a you know a, a good feeling knowing that you've got to an end of a project whatever that project was and it mm. gave you you know nourishment as a, a creative person and it's and it's done and mm. then you can move on and it shows you that you can finish something for real make something for real yeah. and also not be too precious about it this is the thing you finish a thing and then you tinker sometimes yeah. but I finished it and I felt I was finished with it yeah I had zero interest in it anymore and it's a strange thing to say but that's a very important feeling after you finish a project you don't have all that much interest in going back and mm. saying Maybe. something more yeah you've said everything you've wanted to say mm. i feel the same way with this book as well but but i feel as if when you when i get there i know um i can move on to the next thing and did you take any creative writing classes or anything of this sort no zero Again, I, I didn't really know how the, the world worked. Mm. Um, it was always a very private thing. Writing's always been very, very private. And I'm trying to maintain that still. Mm -hmm. Reading and writing was always very, very... A thing I would do. It wasn't very ever social. I never really had any writer friends or anyone who went would on to... You know, you yeah, to I, I read a lot as a kid. Um, or as a teenager, really. Um, but again... There was no one I knew was into reading as much as I was. So I I, uh, I wouldn't have those conversations. And I guess I that never, because I wasn't able to have those conversations, I, I, I that didn't turn into me thinking I want to do this for my, yeah, the rest of my life. It never, you know, yeah, I think like externalizing that. that way, I think might have put that idea into my head. But because I didn't have that social um element i suppose mm. but i'm guessing i don't know what gets young writers to to go into a program i think they're great i think go for it if you if you can and if they're there but again it wasn't i didn't think about it mm. <laughs> it wasn't a consideration and what do you think taught you to be a writer because you created characters they have a very specific way of mm. doing things of, of of speaking you created a plot as well you have different kind of point of view so those are really technical writing techniques or tools and how do you think you you've been taught to I do that you know i think that mm. the only thing i could i could say to that is i'm quite a close reader okay i take my time if I'm, if i think something is worth it And it's a, a strange, very animated way um, of reading. I, I write a lot uh, in the margins. Um, you know, I, I, when you read, you yeah, when I margins, read, yeah, you you mark sentences, yeah, mark sentences that you um, liked or... and scroll. Like I, I always know if I've loved a book, can I go back and look at the pages and they're just written all <laughs> over? Funny. That's it. It's. It's always again it because no one's watching me. It is no one to impress or anything. I'm reading this thing for myself, and mm -hmm. um, because I'm doing that, um, it's a very uh, um, 
animated experience <laughs> reading i would read stuff aloud mm-hmm. you know that kind of thing and because of that i think um that closeness of it like the books i love i know quite well you know you know relatively so um you can't read like that and not learn something mm-hmm. i i would i would guess um uh, and also you know going back to certain writers um as a way to really you know see progression and see how um a problem arose where with that particular writer tried to um figure out in their particular way i i enjoyed that and also you know they a lot of writers talk, writers talk about permission and reading something that then makes you think I, you know, I didn't know you could do that because I could probably do that too. Mm. Or you see an experience written on the page and you think, I didn't know this was worthy of the page. I didn't know, you know, I, I remember reading um, White Teeth uh, in 2000, around the time when it was a, a big deal book. And I remember it won a prize or something. Um, I think it was the Whitbread. Um, and I seeing that book everywhere. And I remember going to library, to the library, um, around where I grew up in Wilson Green, which just happens to be where the book was set. And I picked it up and I read um, that first page and it was set in Cricklewood. And it was just outside the window. And again, it was one of those moments where I didn't know, I didn't know this was of interest to anyone, you know what I mean? Like outside my window. Um, and those little moments uh, are sort of build up, they accumulate. Um, um, then you'd go into like a charity shop, pick up a book and see how uncompromising certain languages, Jake, um, uh, James Kelman, Irvin Welsh, that kind of thing, and Samuel Beckett, and you see that these are writers who are aren't too bothered about again impressing some sensibility out there that tends to regard certain literature as as worthy and not. Um, these are writers who are privately um, for themselves trying to creatively sort of attack something or interrogate something with with language um, and that was always very attractive to me um, just the ability to do that or, or the sort of that compulsion to use language that way um, and again just seeing certain writers go for it like that just really uncompromisingly with the language and um, try to say something with it um, these are all lessons like I you know for me at least it, that was important and I read an interview of you in the Guardian and you've been asked about how you felt when you learned that your book was longlisted for the Man Booker Prize and you said um, all I've ever needed is a little quiet and some space in which to write I have a sense that with this happening for my first novel it comes with certain affordances for my next I may be wrong, but perhaps I will have a little more time, the sort of elbow room that isn't usually afforded to new novelists. So my next question is, um, how do you find the time and the place to write? I think naturally I'm a night owl, um, mm-hmm. just working really late into the night and doing that. But the thing is, I have this wife that just does not like going to sleep a little and actually enjoy going to 
sleep at the same time with her and you know it's an important thing mm-hmm. in a relationship Absolutely. so to compensate i would get up way early in the morning so for so good you four years you invert schedule. it which is not my natural state well, that's a great <laughs> sign that's a great sign of love yeah well i mean you know i think it's more it's it's less yeah it's, <laughs> let's not go there uh <laughs> sorry yeah, but i think but but waking up in the in the i think I, for four years it was just five in the morning for a good i think three hours ish um and then and then going off and doing my regular work but having those hours to yourself actually in the morning where the world is still sleeping and and you and the first thing you do half asleep is actually right mm. um and you haven't you don't have the 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 gunk of the the day being thrown at you i think that's that's that was um a great i look back on the on those mornings you know and i feel really happy about it i was really enjoying those mornings um now consequently with the next book i have the entire day to actually write now and i don't think it's it's working as well as it did when i had only three hours in the morning because which is really annoying too but... much time or because you have a deadline i don't know if i was if i wasn't a baby i would just get it done right but like yeah. i have i have a whole day and i think well i still wake up in the morning because now i can't not but mm. like um I still wake up in the morning and I and I I write like 500 words I usually I guess by midday on a good day but um I I try to get well I've got all day at least get a thousand mm. but the the rest of the, the the other 500 comes in spits and spurts across the day until like 7 p.m. Mm. which isn't very efficient i don't think well but as you said before sometimes you just need to not write and think through your book yeah i don't know i think i, I, I maybe maybe find you any excuses though I, so. I think i'm nostalgic for those like early hours you know the rest of the day just isn't like that those mornings doesn't work as well when it's dark as well in sweden mm. oh, yeah. <laughs> so like so it's <laughs> very cozy yeah of. it is i i think so mm. my cats are there and no one else is up oh yeah you know. i read about your two cats yeah there very easy to find this information in internet yeah <laughs> yeah i mention my cats a lot i think yeah every article is about your book or you starts with he used to live in london now he lives in malmo and he has two cats yeah uh, someone pointed out to me recently in a radio interview that um my my first like my first uh, bio on this book i think on the hardback is like yeah he lives in london oh he lives in between london and malmo blah 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 he lives in sweden with his wife and two beautiful cats yeah and the interview were like it's interesting that the cats got the objective not the, not the not the wife and i was like oh yeah <laughs> i didn't realize this um do you have a you started to talk about it about it a little bit but do you have a working process do you have a plan and how much do you plan before you you write um at the very beginning the first couple of drafts um very little and i think that i'll I kind of have to um start that way sort of very open to seeing what happens and just giving myself permission to just spend some time a good year right just kind of figuring stuff out and see what emerges and what connects and what it's really about I usually I mean technically I really start with just a very dry intuition in terms of like what I'm just sort of intellectually in, interested in with I mean the first themes 
for the first book would be, you know, extremism and, and that kind of thing, like things that I'm just thinking about a lot. Um, but usually that stuff kind of gets lost after a while when characters turn up and um, begin to be far more interesting to me in terms of like following them and, and seeing where they go. Um, but inevitably the, the theme stuff bleeds through their their language, their voice, they would say something that will link to the theme that I know, I know that I'm thinking about at the time. Um, when that happens, it's magic. And I think it, that for me needs, that necessitates that, that sense of being speculative. I don't think, for me, those moments would occur, occur um, in, in that kind of way had I sort of planned it. But again, that might be wrong. I not, I've not done it any other way. Um, but it's also a process that I wouldn't recommend all that much because it is really frustrating. Just getting up in the morning and no idea where it's where it's headed. Have an inkling um, towards the end of the day, I kind of want to be here or this character has to be here at some point, but I have no idea how, how it happens. Um, it is really, it's not efficient. And it's and it's uh, incredibly frustrating, and it's very difficult to keep going. Um, when those moments happen, they're amazing, and I, I and for me they're worth it. The consequent drafts, though, second, third, that's when perhaps I I do grids and that kind of thing, and have little flashcards with certain scenes that I need to bolt on properly. Um, but the early, the very very initial period. Um, it's a, it's really quite free, and I I I need that um, um, to make the theme appear. Yeah, yeah. or have the theme wash through in the language and and the characters. Um, uh, but again, when I talked about making it book shaped, like proper uh, structure, like it, that happens around the second third draft. Mm -hmm. um, seeing what works, seeing what didn't, because I kind of you know what they say, like you need a lump of clay to actually build a thing like for me that the first draft is word count and, and just getting something there mm. to then work on afterwards um so you create the material and then you kind mm. of create the shape into yeah. it and, and just seeing what emerged that um um intrigues me sort of tickles me somehow and says well, this is this has got something really there's something about this or this moment with this character or, or um, this specific voice that I need to interrogate somehow. But also, you know, not suddenly veering because the, the 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 trouble with that is when you're when you're that open, um, you tend to veer quite drastically. You're like, oh, this is good. I'm gonna go right all yeah. the way, all the way through here. Um, <laughs> Or have a character completely overwhelm the rest of the narrative because um, they're just fresher suddenly because mm -hmm. the character you've worked on is just suddenly dull. You know, like, oh, this is far more interesting than the book about this girl. But um, the discipline comes when you're like, oh, that's interesting. Let that simmer a bit. She's really compelling. Let me um, come back to her and, and see. But then get to X amount of words and, and see where we end up because got to finish and see what you got um and if if it comes down to it um then um feel free to veer but for me i need i need the material to to be able to see what i have i have this feeling that 
my subconscious is far more far smarter than I am really like my conscious self like I you know if I try too hard it's not going to be great but something in me is way smarter than I am so I kind of want to see that that stuff happen you seem to have a great pleasure in creating characters in making them speak or with their own languages and their own style and how do you prepare those characters so at the beginning I think let's see what this person is I want to get to know them a little bit before I um you know dictate what they say yes. uh let's see what <laughs> let's see what, how they say things i wouldn't have put in their mouths and see you know see what happens um but at some point it really is important to actually have those flashcards for me at least at some point when you, when i have that lump of clay i need to then figure out well this was important to this character let me try and structure something around that um and then yeah uh it really is i, I would spend recently for the, for the next book i spent a good month off just really plotting every little scene even if they didn't wouldn't end up I just want to get to A to B to C see exactly where I'd be um, and with it yeah with the character having seeing certain traits and motifs turn up in in that speculative period um, yeah getting that down on paper and seeing okay this is exactly what the character seems to be now uh, let's go from here <laughs> what's the most difficult thing for you when it comes to writing this is like what the stuff I don't like this is like maybe finishing a chapter this is can could be like creating a plot is there like one specific thing that you hate don't know it's a strange way to to, to think about it I don't I can't really I don't know I haven't really thought about it in terms of compartmentalizing it that in in that sense um what I, I I really hate getting distracted from the writing like but that's that for me kind of need to be part of it but I, I I really dislike the feeling of seeing hours go by having done something completely arbitrary instead of actually doing the work or getting to a certain point and you're like where's my word count I haven't got words down um and it's totally my fault because I you know I just decided not to do it today like I've got all the time in the world mm -hmm. you know that that kind of thing is is important and I and I know that's not particularly about the writing but I, I don't tend to think about it in those terms at least not yet um you you told me that when you were working on in our Madden for your city at some point you had the feeling that is going to be a story that would be worth publishing or worth doing something with it. And my question is, uh, how did you manage to get it published? Did you struggle to find an agent or someone recommend one to you or someone read your story and found it directly great? And um, I, don't, I don't know if I ever thought it would be published or or I, I certainly hope, but like I don't, I, again, didn't really, I was very ignorant in terms of like how or naive or in terms of how it all worked. But I knew I'd probably need an agent, so what I did was um, uh, just get on Twitter and kind of just figure out who publishes this kind of book um, um, and uh, the agencies where my, some of my favorite writers were, were, were at. So um, when I got to the point of um, having the manuscript also read by a few friends and, and people who give me feedback and actually went back and worked on it a little bit more so I, I wasn't blindly sending it to someone 
Um, so you had people to read. Yeah, close friends who I would trust in terms of giving me decent advice in terms of whether they think it was terrible or not. Um, after that, uh, yeah, sending it to a few agents. I, you know, I read a bunch of advice on online in terms of like what you're supposed to do, and I don't know if I. I took the advice. I spent. I sent the manuscript to the to the agencies I really liked or liked the look of. Um, again, being very naive, um, um, and things happened quite quickly after that. Like there were a few agents that got back. Um, a few of them, I came to London to meet. Um, two of them sort of offered rep representation, and and the one I went with really came down to the just thinking well. I feel like I could work with this person for a long time. You know, it's a, it's going to be a relationship, and I I like I like her. I I, I would like to hang out with her, and I, I would like to speak to her about things that are important to me, like this book and and that kind of thing. And she seems great. Um, again, th those those kinds of things. Not really thinking about like the agency in terms of like reputation or anything like that. I like her. This makes sense. And then after. I got um, Sophie and that got sorted out. She made it very clear that she'd also also kind of want to work on the book a little bit, the kind of things that she thought were were a problem. And I know some writers have, um, you know, can be apprehensive about this. But for me, like, as again, someone that I like working alone, I like working on something, you know, just for myself. Um, I think it was really important to, to actually have um, a relationship like that where where you trust someone enough to really have their say and go through line edits with you and my agent really did that she wrote she she went through the entire book and thought what and talked about like how to get the book sort of publisher ready um and for a good six months we worked on the book i worked on the book with Sophie, my agent um and while we were working on it i think she was warming up a few publishers that she thought would be interested um so by the time we were both happy with it, um, she knew who would it, who to send it to, and and again it happened quite quickly. Like um, a few publishers got um, were interested, and I got to meet a, a few of them, and um, they bid, and uh, I was in a very privileged position of, of of going with the one I really thought um, got the book, and and. Um, you know, speaking with Sophie again, being very naive in terms of what publishers are out there and how that all that all that that kind of works. Um, going with a publisher that I felt comfortable with, and again, in terms of the editor, all the editors I I I, I met were wonderful and really nice and said really great things, and I would love to work with them. But the 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 editor I went with again was based on I would like to spend a good couple of years with this this person and, and I think she would help me become a, a better writer um, those are the more important things to, to consider in terms of those kinds of decisions um, um, but you know that was a, about a year in terms of like getting to that point and then working with the editor for a good another half a year um, and also having a really great experience with, with that um, uh, and having that relationship again, where you you work on something on a very close level, um, and being unafraid to change things, um, and being okay with it, and having that kind of detachment, I think, is really important. It's helped me certainly. 
And what did you learn from the making of the first novel? Um, what will you change in your writing process for the second novel? Are you going to do the same kind of process or are you going to change something? You know, it's interesting. Um, again, a trope that has turned out to be true is different books demand different things. And as it, it, that's turned out to be the case. Um, the second book has gone through very many different changes. Um, draft after draft, it's it's really transformed in, into into something completely different from where it started off from, um, and it's needed far more structure stuff on the second third draft. A lot more uh, meticulous flashcards and highlight pens coming out. A lot more of that. Um, I think though that that's come out of the experience of working with the editor in the first book, um, learning how um, another eye views how you've structured the book in ways that you probably wouldn't you know things that you weren't intending so thank you very very much guy can I read me uh, we wish you all the best for your second novel <laughs> and it's now time for you to join the novel writers night in spike island to read part of your books uh, in our modern figure city and hence answer the question of the audience thank, thank you. you thanks so much